You said you didn't take a lot of notes. I tried, but there's nothing to talk about in this film. Yeah, we'll see. It's just dumb. Hey, leave your comments until we start the session, okay? I see the little record thing up at the top. You can splice this in somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> This is the theme at the start of the show And this is the version with just piano These are the words I make up as I go Flabby-dabby-doo theme song Watching everything on Disney seeming like a chore And since I started singing they already added more so stop wasting time with another theme song Tell them the name of the show It's called the podcast with Ted Issues What a terrible name for the show It's worse than the song La da, ya da 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 Flop it a theme song and welcome to the podcast War Tennis Shoes, the podcast where we watch and rank all 1,805 movies on Disney+. Plus. My name is Sean, and I am here with my two co-hosts, Rob and Bob. And Bob, how are you doing this week? You look deeply unhappy. What's that about? Uh, stuff in my personal life I'm going to keep off the podcast. Aside from oh. that, I'm doing fine. I, I, I just thought you were going to say, I watched G-Force. I wasn't trying to get... <laughs> Too personal there. Very sorry for going a little too deep to the quick. Um, Moving on, Rob, quickly, something more joyful. How are you doing? Good, I guess. Feeling a little sick today. So this is going to be a good recording. This is going to be awesome. We got to talk about a shit film, spoiler alert, and Bob and I both suck. So we're doing great. How about you, Sean? How are you? Well, I'm okay. Um, I have it on good authority that apparently we recorded cocktail on the weekend um we did a drinking game episode there is proof i have to really take your guys's word that that happened because my memories are kind of hazy for whatever reason wasn't feeling good for a couple of days there but feeling better now feeling pretty good nice getting into my dry february my post cocktail drinking game dry february because, man, my body needs it. So what you're saying is we're not going to do any more Disney movies involving alcohol for a while. We can do Disney movies involving alcohol. I'm just not going to drink half a bottle of gin while we do it. So you don't remember the podcast, but you remember drinking half a bottle of gin. I saw the bottle afterwards. I don't remember drinking the bottle. I saw the after effects. Wait, wait, wait. But but, but we actually had two bottles of gin because we were making Gordon Bombay's and they were, they were half yeah, empty. Yeah, I was bad at mixing. Oh, One my. of them is... To, to yeah. be fair, at the beginning of the episode, you were using baking measures cups to measure your yeah, shots. You were using, you were using a quarter of a cup. You were using a quarter of a cup measurement to, to, to measure out an ounce. I didn't really <laughs> consider how difficult doing the measurement conversions would be once I was a few Gordon Bombay's in. No one ever does. When you're a couple Gordon Bombay's in, you start to think, I could probably eyeball this thing. I'm going to go off sound. <laughs> glug, glug one, glug, glug two, glug, glug three. That's a shot, right? You, uh, you sounded like you were having a fun time. Well, I have to take your word from it. Or the listeners can just listen to the episode. Today. <laughs> Hey, we're not doing an alcohol-based episode. We're not doing a drinking game, although maybe I wish we were. Rob, are you drinking anything to try to get through this 
Um, I poured myself a little gin for the, the G and G-Force, so it's a little bit of gin. <laughs> so the G stands for gin? I also would specifically like to point out to one specific listener that this is still not the High School Musical episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's coming. I did get that comment it's coming, as well. Bob, okay? There's a lot of stuff going on. It's a, it's a complex movie. <laughs> Today we're talking about G-Force? <laughs> Question mark? <laughs> I, I still have a hard time believing this is a real movie. Rob, this movie was your choice. Why yeah. are we doing G-Force? I wanted to do one of those, like, late 2000s Disney CGI movies. Because I really haven't seen any of them. It was, like, Bolt and Chicken Little or whatever the heck those movies are. You know, that kind of era. Post-Renaissance, pre-Lassiter. Yeah. Yep. And I was, like, just kind of on Disney Plus looking for something. And I saw G-Force and I saw some CGI guinea pigs. And I was like, perfect. This looks amazing. Having, knowing nothing about the film, little did I know, or to my surprise, uh, it is a live action uh, film starring everybody that's ever been in a Jerry Brockheimer film before. This film boggles the mind that it exists. I still don't really believe it exists. Right? I half believe we're going to put out this episode and we're going to get a letter from people being like, why did you do an episode on a movie that doesn't exist? And then we'll go back to Disney Plus and we'll be like, I swear it was there! I swear! We'll be like in a, like a Twilight Zone scenario or something. I don't remember this film coming out. Like, I, do you I, remember it making a hundred and twenty million dollars in North America? Fucking hell! I was about to go to IMDb right now to see what the box office was. It was a hundred and twenty million. You could have said this grossed fourteen, and I would have believed you. Domestic made one hundred and twenty million dollars. That is approximately the same amount that Dwayne Johnson's Jungle Cruise made, which was one of the, like, three movies that came out in 2021, I think. Yeah. That's Dwayne Johnson's star power. He's getting guinea pig money out there. <laughs> My God. Before we move any further, though, we do have a reoccurring segment to get to. Rob, what's the name of the segment? Did anybody write a review this week? Did anybody write a review this week? Let's take a look. Let's take a peek. Did anybody write a review this week? Uh, I don't believe so. Nope. Nobody wrote a review this week. You should get rid of the ding when nobody writes it. It should be like a womp, 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 womp. A boom. <laughs> It'll just be me going, boom. Nobody wrote a review this week. Boom. I got a smile out of Bobby. <laughs> All right, Bob, I've been talking to Rob. I'm going to you. Rob forced us to watch this movie. Do you remember this coming out? No. <laughs> what I was actually looking up was I'm starting to wonder if we're all experiencing the group psychosis that goes along with the internet conspiracy of Sinbad's movie Shazam. Do you guys remember that movie? Uh, no, because it doesn't exist. There is a group of people that are convinced that they saw a movie with Sinbad. But it's called Kazam. Yeah. And I don't think it stars Sinbad. Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. That just sounds like a group of people who are racist. It does. <laughs> My only thought on this is that I'm just like, did this movie come out? Does it exist? Did we, the three of us, experience group psychosis about a Jerry Brockheimer movie that he pitched to Disney about FBI agents who are all rodents led by Zach Galifianakis? A human Zach Galifianakis, keep in mind. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's a man who chooses for his co-workers to be guinea pigs. That is the level that he places himself above. Yeah, there's no way that, well, riding high <laughs> off of the Pirates movie, Jerry Brockheimer. Brockheimer was like, 
a spy movie, but they're guinea pigs. And someone at Disney said yes. And then you're like, Sean made that up. I do not remember Sean Singer grossed $120 million. This is not real. Like, I'm now, you've convinced me that I didn't actually watch this film. I, I looked up on IMDb after I suggested the film to you guys when we picked it. And I looked at the cast on IMDb and I was just like going insane that everybody who was in it i put the trailer on and i stopped it after about 20 seconds because i i was like i want the rest of this to be a surprise i i completely agree bob this movie is a reverse mandela effect <laughs> instead of there being some aspect of pop culture that everyone remembers but yeah. no longer exists because it fell out of our dimension this is a piece of another dimension that accidentally fell into ours like it was never made but somehow it's on disney plus <laughs> Seems like one of those, like, stories where someone falls into an alternate dimension and they're walking around, they're like, Sylvester Stallone was in Terminator. <laughs> Nicolas Cage was a yeah. mole in a movie called G-Force? What dimension am I in? <laughs> this is one of those tells that you've walked into another That's dimension, the... is that G-Force exists. <laughs> what is it? Do you remember that TV show Sliders? With Jerry O'Connell. If you go to Disney Plus and you find that G-Force exists, you're in the wrong dimension. <laughs> in, the, in the Sliders reboot, they're like, quick, check Disney Plus. Is there a movie about talking guinea pigs on their work? They work with Zach Galifianakis. <laughs> no, I'm not home yet. Are you sure? Are you sure? They, 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 they fight Bill Nighy. In the dimension in which this was made, not our dimension, in Earth 432, this was directed by Hoyt Yeatman. Hoyt Yeatman. It's <laughs> a good name. Hoyt Yeatman. It even sounds like another dimension's name. Yeah. That is the name of a dude who comes from Earth 432. Yeah. <laughs> He's a visual effects supervisor. He actually has a fascinating career because he's a founder of a company called DreamQuest Images. And they were a major effects company in the late 80s going into the 90s. They worked on The Abyss, were nominated for Oscars. They were sold to Disney in 1996 to become an in-house effects studio. Basically, sort of, I guess, the way that Industrial Light and Magic is an in-house effects studio yeah. for Disney now. They were maybe ahead of their time because Disney thought it'd be a good idea to own their own effects studio that could do all of the Disney productions. They did the special effects for George of the Jungle. Flubber, Con Air, Inspector Gadget. That's actually one that I wouldn't mind rewatching because I haven't seen that except for the one time in theaters. Don't, don't do it don't. to me. Don't do it to me, Rob. Do not do it to me. Well, okay, it, you are on thin ice. Look, 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 look. Okay, in, in total fashion that of the, that you know what we do here. We watch Inspector Gadget too. <laughs> we will watch Inspector Gadget too. I will watch Inspector Gadget too because it is probably bad, but cannot be worse than the first one. And at least I mm -hmm. haven't seen it. So we'll get to see French Stewart get work. Yeah, and I love French Stewart. So that right there, even if it's even if it is as bad as the first one, French Stewart will knock it up because French Stewart greater than sign. Matthew Broderick. <laughs> the, the first Inspector Gadget movie is a movie that I wish came from an alternate dimension that I had never existed in, because I, I cannot erase the taste of that film out of my brain. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, okay, so uh, around the year, in the late 90s, Disney decided to pivot because I though, although I don't have internal documents assuring them as such, I think they just found that it wasn't really financially logical to have an, an internal effects studio that would only do Disney movies because the scheduling of it probably created backlogs and they, it would have been easier to like outsource certain well, things anyway. One movie at a time, really. It depends on how many employees you have. Well, they right? did a lot though. They did like, they were working on everything Disney was mm. doing. So they were working on like four or five movies a year. For whatever reason, Disney Disney decided to pivot them and moved the studio into Disney animation features. And they changed the name of the studio to The Secret Lab. And when they did this, they began work on a feature film, that being 2000's 
dinosaur. Okay. By 2001, Walt Disney closed the studio. <laughs> so oh, jeez, yeah. Dinosaur was not particularly successful. Uh, they pivoted again, this time to closing everything. <laughs> and the last stuff that they worked on is they did the special effects for Reign of Fire and Kangaroo Jack. Speaking of Jerry O'Connell, that's, <laughs> that is Hoyt Yeatman's history with Disney. But he, he landed on his feet because he ended up pitching to Jerry Bruckheimer during one of the many times that they worked together, this movie called G-Force, which was his son's idea that he thought was genius. And apparently Jerry Bruckheimer was won over by it. This is a monster truck situation where somebody's kid pitched them on an idea and they just went in and made it. So for the listeners, there was a movie, fuck, I, I don't even know what studio did that, but it was- It's like Universal or something. It was like a studio executive. It was like a president of the studio yeah. whose son pitched him on Talking Monster Trucks, the movie. Paramount. Paramount. Apparently, it made children cry. Yeah. When they held test screenings, children <laughs> would scream and run out of the theater. That doesn't bode well. What fucking universe did you guys go to? I've never heard of that movie. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> a point. <laughs> All right. So, they commissioned a script from Cormac and Marianne Wiberly. They are a husband and wife screenwriting duo. They wrote The Sixth Day, I Spy, Charlie Angel's Full Throttle, National Treasure, and the Shaggy Dog remake. Jesus. I hate these people. Yes. I'm just throwing it out there. I've never <laughs> met them. I hate these people. I'm sure they're very nice people who are very lovely and probably are very kind to dogs and donate to charity. I hate them. <laughs> How do you want to talk about the cast? Because I'm going, I'm, I'm, I'm leading up to this. I'm talking about, oh, here's the producer, Jerry Brockheimer. Here's the director, yeah. Hoyt Eatman. Here are the writers leading up to the cast. And like, I, I don't know how to get across this cast. It's obscene. Do we do it like as the sh they show up? Or do we, like, tell the audience to, like, pause, go on IMDb and look at this frickin' thing right now? Yeah. Before we even talk, uh, let's quickly preface by saying this is a movie where the U.S. government funds a program to teach hamsters how to be in the FBI and the CIA in order to conduct covert operations. Now we say who plays these rodents in the movie. I think you're missing the most, uh, the most important part of that sentence, and that is, and it worked. You're both missing a key point. The United States government funds a covert operation to teach guinea pigs how to be ninjas in order to infiltrate enemy bases and work for the FBI and CIA. And they end up fighting sentient coffee makers. Yes. That's the plot of this right. movie. Yeah. Here is the cast of this movie. Human cast or voice cast? Which one are we going with? I'm just going to go through the names and we'll talk about who they okay. play as it comes up. All right. Okay. Sam Rockwell, Tracy Morgan, Penelope Cruz, Nicholas Cage... John Favreau, Steve Buscemi, Zach Galifianakis, Bill Nighy, Will Arnett, and with a single line of dialogue, Loudon Wainwright III. <laughs> Many of these people are playing talking animals, but not all. That all said, Bobby, how does this movie start? Uh. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. Wait, 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 wait. This movie came out in 2009. It came out the same year as Avatar, yeah. which I know because we don't need to talk about the other movies that came out that year. Happy Hogan is in this. John Favreau is in this. This is a year after Iron Man. Iron Man. This is his Iron Man follow-up. This is, um, Zach Galifianakis had The Hangover released a month before, and then he was, like, the lead in G-Force. Like, the timing of this film is insane. Yep. No one's seen it. No one cares. 
like well, it was in another universe. Right, Maybe in sorry. that universe, John Favreau didn't make Iron Man. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> in that universe, John Favreau pursued his acting career as Courtney Cox's rich MMA boyfriend from from Friends. Uh, friends. <laughs> that almost adds up as to like Sam Rockwell's trajectory from like Confessions of a Dangerous Mind to the lead guinea pig in G Force. <laughs> this is the same year as Moon. Like what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I was trying to find some behind-the-scenes footage from this movie. There's not a lot, although, man, did they go well out on the press tour because YouTube is full of interviews with every single one of these actors who all oh. have one line of dialogue in this guinea pig movie. But the behind-the-scenes footage, I did find one clip of uh, John Favreau and Sam Rockwell in the recording booth while they were recording their dialogue. So there was some B-roll footage. It was uh, someone had a camera in there that day. John Favreau's kind of hosting i don't know if he's just taking charge of the situation because he's like i'm a director i can direct this behind the scenes footage so he's like talking to the camera and then sam rockwell rocks in pretty well Hi and john favreau's like oh sam rockwell and he brings him over and he's commenting he's like oh you brought in really fancy water oh we got the we're making this movie fancier already and sam rockwell has this look in his eye where he's like his eyes are darting to the camera and he's like oh shit i didn't know anyone was gonna know i was in this (laughs) 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 he's just like this isn't gonna go out is it (laughs) i was planning on using a pseudonym for this film like he looks so uncomfortable that john favreau is dragging him in front of a camera oh my He's god like, yeah g force <laughs> nothing else they got paid i i they must have it also had a budget of 150 million dollars oh my god so it didn't make its money back no but it got close it's a both numbers are insane but like holy shit this fucking ninja guinea pig movie had a budget of 150 million dollars i mean i like that in our universe this is the like live action cg mixture romp that disney was like this this will stop avatar well this came out in july of 2009 so a couple months like obviously avatar came out in december of 2009 it was in 3d so in my brain i know this wasn't the case but for whatever reason like Avatar was, like, the first 3D film in the resurgence of 3D. I know it's not the case, because they released a ton of movies before it in 3D, but, like, for whatever reason, I've forgotten that 3D existed before 2009. Before Avatar. Well, the thing is, Avatar sort of was the impetus for the rebirth of 3D, but because Avatar took 10 years to make... Some of the films riding that Avatar wave came out before Before. Avatar. And I'm not joking because the whole industry was kind of aware that James Cameron was going all in on 3D for his giant budgeted follow-up to Titanic. And Fox and Cameron were making a big push to ensure that all theaters in North America could display stereoscopic 3D in a sufficient way. And because of that, in the years leading up to 2009, from like 2007 to 2009, there was huge investments in 3D. And so lots of studios were like, well, we should get on that train. And some of them came up before Avatar, like G-Force. And uh, Beowulf. Was Beowulf 3D? Oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, Coraline came out before Avatar, which was 3D. I remember a few big ones that year. In fact, I think Disney released a couple of those... um, like Hannah Montana Live in 3D or something. Jonas Brothers. There was like some concert movies that Disney released prior to Avatar as well. The first shot that uh, 
made me realize that this was released in 3D. It, it was way too long into the film, but it was the shot where they're like in their hamster balls and he pops the tire with this claw side thing in the hamster ball at like the chase scene. Oh yeah. And then the claw reaches out into the audience. Yeah. 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 I was just like, oh, this was released in 3D. I wrote that note down because yeah. I was just like, it looks like an advertisement for Terminator 2 The Ride. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Which if you haven't been on is sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Again, Bobby lit up. <laughs> He's excited to talk about this film. I'm excited to talk about Terminator. I am not excited to talk about G-Force. Bobby, we still haven't actually got into it. How does this movie start? I'm pretty sure it starts with me going, Zach Galifianakis is in this movie. Yes. And that is what I remember is being blown away that they had an actor in this movie. And then as you read the list, the list goes on and on. I told you guys specifically not to look at IMDb before the film started. So every one of these actors, as they showed up, was a surprise to you. It's shocking. It's genuinely shocking. Zach Galifianakis appears. He's the first thing you see and i'm like oh shit zach galifianakis is in it and then a talking guinea pig jumps on the table and has a conversation with him and i'm like is that the voice of sam rockwell (laughs) and then we go into the next scene and it's the voice of tracy morgan and penelope cruz and you're just like what is happening here you forgot about the hologram of bill nye oh yes that's sorry that's the other one in the scene so zach galifianakis is talking to sam rockwell and they're like here's your villain it's bill nye and i'm like who the fuck is isn't in this movie. Yeah. Anyone smart, apparently. I do like at the beginning of this, uh, Zach Alphanakis is talking to a guinea pig, mind you. A guinea pig. And he's saying, we got to infiltrate uh, this rich guy's house because he may have developed a chip that could have military implications. <laughs> he's just like, I don't know. We'll go steal this thing from this U.S. citizen. They're talking guinea pigs. They really don't care about the Constitution. Um, I know, but that's the way they get around it in this film is they're guinea pigs. <laughs> Zach Galifianakis may be giving one of the saddest performances I have ever seen in any movie ever and i don't mean sad as a pejorative as in like oh he's such a bad actor it's sad although it's not exactly a great performance i mean sad as if he's casey affleck in manchester by the sea (laughs) and this is the saddest i have ever seen a man look yeah and it's because he's in this movie At no time does he not look dead in his eyes, as if he's about to break down in tears. (laughs) Hangover was a month before this, right? And he had done, like, parts and things here and there. But this is, like, besides the hangover, where he's one of four leads, like, this is a pretty big lead role for Zach Galifianakis. And he's talking opposite of an empty chair. And there's no holograms there. There's no 2009 amazing holograms. Uh, It's just him talking to an empty chair saying the dumbest shit you've ever imagined. He probably, yeah, was like looking at himself in the mirror between each take going, okay, Zach. Okay, Zach, go in there. Your line is... (laughs) To quote Will Arnett, he constantly looks as if he's saying, I've made a huge mistake. Right? Yes. And then fucking Will Arnett shows up later in this movie. Although he's less shocking because Will Internet will honestly do anything in a good way. He is the voice of like several like random commercials you wouldn't know. I've heard him do the voices. I'm like, oh, that is him. I feel like Will Arnett can do anything and maintain his dignity. He's just got that vibe about him. Yeah. He's been the voice of like Dodge or GMC, GMC for like 20 years. So he doesn't show up yet. No, he doesn't. We get, we get 
them explaining the plan, Bill Nighy is a tech billionaire. Bill Nighy is in this movie. Yes, he is. But that's because he was in Pirates 2 in 2006. So he had the Jerry Brockheimer connection. That actually explains how this movie got made. I've just realized it, you saying yes. this out loud, Rob. Because Nicolas Cage was asked by Jerry Bruckheimer to do this film on the set of National Treasure 2. Of course. Bill Nighy was obviously asked to do this film on the set of Pirates 2. Everyone just said yes because their boss came up to them. Yes. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, fuck. Why did I say yes to that? Why didn't I ask what G4 stood for? <laughs> so he's a tech billionaire and he's developed some sort of microchip. I want to point out that during this scene, Zach Galifianakis says he's a former arms dealer. He is? It's a line of fucking dialogue. Jesus. This movie makes zero sense. I believe it was heavily edited in post. Mm -hmm. And I believe the plot was massively changed and Bill Nighy's character was oh. completely changed in post with ADR. 100%. Did you guys see the one the one shot behind the shoulder where he's Australian for one line of dialogue? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. Okay. But there's parts of this movie where they obviously, they were like, they didn't have time or they didn't even remember to fix. They introduce him as a former arms dealer, which makes no sense with the ending of this film. Or the fact that like, he's just, he, he makes appliances. Like, why would you make appliances and rockets? Like, that makes no fucking sense. <laughs> and he, he has a line. He said, I just want to make appliances for people. Like, that's <laughs> That's his... He has an 80-yard line yes. over his shoulder where he says, I'm definitely not an arms dealer. Yeah. <laughs> I just make coffee Despite machines. what you may have heard earlier in this film. But he does say that he makes a uh, cryogenic refrigerator and a microwave-heated coffee warmer. I don't know. Like, they're just <sighs> tossing together bullshit in this. They're going to infiltrate Bill Nighy's home compound because he is about to initiate something that they believe is called Project Clusterstorm. And they are concerned that it could have military applications and they send the guinea pigs in. So these guinea pigs, Mission Impossible, their way into the compound like it's the opening of True Lies. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's a satire of that because they like scuba in and shit. And They just missed a beat. Like they should have had Darwin like take off a scuba suit and then like unzip a, uh, he's wearing a tux, but he's a guinea pig rocking around in a tux. Yeah, and then he goes in and he dances the tango to Carmen. Yeah, that's kind of my overall note of this movie, which we can get back to later. This movie feels like it should be a satire of these spy action movies and like it should be poking fun at how ridiculous ridiculous it is when you do it with guinea pigs and like, oh, wow, this is kind of stupid. Like maybe this is deconstructing the genre, but it isn't doing any of that. It's just a shitty spy movie with guinea pigs. <laughs> it's from a dimension where they don't know what satire is. With the exception of one line, which we will get to later. That oh, there's a very funny line into this and i'm not sure if it's intentional it has to be because it's so funny it has to be but i don't know <laughs> if it's what you're talking about we'll get to it but there's one that's genuinely hilarious so uh bill nye's having a party for the launch of uh cluster fuck whatever cluster storm yeah it's we'll, we'll call it cluster fuck because that's what the movie is yeah okay so he's he's saying i got all of these what is it saber circuit chips or some bullshit sabling <laughs> Yeah, uh, so he, he's connecting all of these with a microchip, and it'll connect old technology as well. It's Skynet, but a coffee maker and a blender and a fridge. Yes. He's making uh, Amazon Alexa. That's just how 
coffee makers and fridges work now. Yeah. yeah. That's just, they're just talking about how actual appliances work. Yeah, he says, like, it'll it'll know that you're out of milk, and it'll put it on your shopping list. And you're like, we have fridges that that's do that. That's what yeah. fridges do now. Yeah. That's just how this works. Yeah, you're like, I, I, I can look in my fridge when I'm at the grocery store and see how much milk I have left. This is possible. Yeah. That kind of goes to my other point of, like, this movie should be satire. But it's not. It's like Jerry forgot to be like, oh, shit, I forgot to mention it was satire. Uh, they'll probably figure it out. <laughs> uh, so um, there's a party uh, and uh, we get Darwin, who is Sam Rockwell. CGI guinea pig, Sam Rockwell. He uh, He's infiltrating the private computer of uh, Bill Nye. Well, so let, let's go through the characters just to interrupt. So Tracy Morgan plays Blaster. Blaster. Who is the tech whiz, I no. think. No, no, no. Who is he? He's like is the he demolition the, is he expert. The, is he the brawn? He's the demolition expert? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's the brawn. The, the, the tech expert is Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. Okay. The Molinator. And then Penelope Cruz, who's the woman. Yes. The female guinea pig guess. Uh-huh. Is, that, is that the scientific term? Yes. <laughs> and then Nicolas Cage is the guy in the chair. S- what's his name? Speckles? I wrote down like, oh, so the mole's the mole. Okay. Just spoiler alert, the twist ending of this somehow is that Nicolas Cage's mole is the actual villain. But, Bobby, are you saying that you guessed that here? Uh, let's see. It is one, one, two, three, four, five, uh, six notes down from Fuck You, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Where you say, oh, Nicolas Cage is the actual villain? Uh, is the mole the mole is the note I wrote down. Is the mole oh, the mole. Oh, yeah, okay. I gotcha. Look at you. you. You guessed the ending before the movie knew that was the ending because I'm n- 100% positive the movie did not know no. that was the ending until reshoots. Yes, So good 100%. for you, Bob. <laughs> the scene where he was dead or he gets tossed into the garbage truck is where I was just like, okay. That's just because that happened to Shredder. <laughs> <laughs> he was going to come back as Super Speckles. He does. He does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wait, he does. <laughs> Darwin, Sam Rockwell, he he goes up to Bill Nye's computer, and he has a USB adapter for his own Palm Pilot or PDA or something. I think it's a PDA, yeah. Yeah, of course it is, 2009. He goes on his computer and finds the file for Clusterfuck and downloads it. And he says, what was the line? I got a genuine laugh out of this shot. I don't know what you're saying. He says, it's not about military weapons, it's about global extermination. It's like the funniest line. (laughs) We're like five seconds into this kid's movie and they're talking about global extermination as a hamster's on a keyboard. It's so dumb. While he's... Hacking into this computer, Bill Nighy is at his party on the main floor of his mansion, oh, yeah. and he's giving the most evil speech you've ever heard. It's the Emperor's speech of the First Galactic Empire. Yeah, that's like, exactly it. And then he that. does an evil laugh to himself, <laughs> and then walks up to his computer. Meanwhile, Sam Rockwell, as a guinea pig, is hacking into the computer and finds a file that lays out his plans for global <laughs> extermination. <laughs> So he gives evil speech. His computer has plans for global extermination. Key points to keep in mind here. Okay. Sam Rockwell almost gets caught, but then he doesn't. He runs out and they have a quick little adventure with a dog. We forgot about the fact that uh, not only did Zach fucking Galifianakis train guinea pigs uh, to be spies, uh, he also (laughs) trained a household fly. To uh, be a secret agent as well. He also learned how to either, he either has the depigulator from Babes in Toyland in order to make all of their tech. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah, because they all have guinea pig sized tech. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And the fly has fly sized tech. Yes, he does. Instead of putting like you know, just like taping the USB stick to the back of the hamster, being like, I don't know, just like jump on the computer. He makes a tiny USB and then has to design a tiny USB port for the tiny guinea yes, pig pump, exactly. like PDA. Can, can we get into this now? I mean, this is a bit early. This movie glosses over the fact that Zach fucking Galifianakis that they can talk developed technology to make animals talk to humans and vice versa. Well, because it doesn't make any sense. The movie glosses over the fact because it doesn't make any sense. It's not clear at all how this technology works. Correct. He suggests there's some sort of like universal translator that they're speaking into and then translates their guinea pig noises into English that comes out of speakers or, you know, the mic that he has in his ear or something or like the communications that they're using. But that is also impossible because they ditch all their gear and then continue to talk to certain humans. No, they don't. They don't actually. Watch the movie. I I went back. They ditch their gear. And then when they're trying to get into their little escape hatches, Sam Rockwell has a conversation with the assistant tech in in the lab. They already took off all of their gear. I thought he still had it in his ear. No, because she's like, take it all off. She takes I'm off. I'm going the- to Disney Plus right now because I think you're wrong. Yeah, it also doesn't make sense in the plot because Will Arnett says, well, if you you've made them talk, that means that they can talk about everything that you've done. But the tech suggests he didn't make them talk. He's just translating guinea pig squeaks. Also, throughout the movie, they talk with each other. They talk with hamsters. Yep. They talk with mice. But a squirrel only makes squirrel squeaking noises. Okay, so he still has it in his ear. You got there? He has it in his ear? Yeah. Oh, fuck. Okay, you're right. Fine. The movie's lock solid. You can't find any flaws. <laughs> yeah. Move over, Flight of the Navigator. Never mind. I'm putting it up at the top of the list. I'm rechanging my ranking. They, uh, they, they try to explain this away at the beginning of the film by saying they're genetically engineered, enhanced super guinea pigs, which... But they're... But, but they're, they're not. Which just means that... Every single animal should be as sentient as these fucking... They are. They go to the pet shop. I know. And they could all communicate at all points in time. It just raises so many questions about our society as a whole. Like, it's just insanity. And not only can those specific guinea pigs operate technology and communicate with humans using human-specific lingo and pop culture references... Correct. The John Favreau guinea pig, which is a totally normal guinea pig that has lived in a pet shop his entire life... <laughs> can apparently read because he reads the newspaper on multiple occasions. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It just, the questions that this film raises and never addresses is insane. They go back to the lab. Will Arnett is like a middle management FBI guy who's coming to shut down Zach Galifianakis in his rogue scientist ways. <laughs> At some point, I think it's after the first heist, they... Don't they say that they say the title of the movie in the movie? Oh, yeah, this is oh, one multiple of those. times. They all cheer G-Force as soon as they ever have any success. Oh, there are two things I need to say. Sorry. As we are concluding this initial mission, it becomes clear to me that this movie is going to kill me with needle drops. <laughs> yes. Fuck do I hate the needle drops in this movie. Wait, sorry. Do you just mean you hate the Black Eyed Peas? Because I think there's 12 Black Eyed Peas needle drops in this film. <laughs> I think there's two songs. 
songs, but they play both of them six times. So yeah. yes, there's 12 yeah. needle drops. There's so much Black Eyed Peas in this film. <laughs> so much Black Eyed Peas in this film. The, the, the pop culture references in this movie, it honestly feels like one of those, like, not another superhero movies that yeah. feel like a joke is just saying something that you've seen <laughs> just just naming a, another thing that exists is what they think a joke is when they're breaking in sam rockwell for some reason starts singing to himself hot like me by the pussycat dolls yeah he starts singing don't you wish your blowtorch was hot like mine and it, and immediately i'm like this is the first scene of the movie and i already <laughs> want to die they had to design a safety course to teach a guinea pig to torch <laughs> Ah, We're a torch talk. Torch talk. Guinea pig had to get his ticket or at least training from a human. They had to call in a burner <laughs> to teach this guinea pig how to torch. Do you think Zach Galifianakis cared about that? He didn't get a warrant for this mission. Do you think he actually cared about torch safety? He had to know how to build a torch and teach them how to torch. A very tiny torch. Yeah. Think, yeah, tiny, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiny torch top. Or he debigulated it, as you mentioned. Like that was one question I had. I was like, how big were those batteries in all of these? All the tech when they were in their hamster balls. I was like, what's the fuel source for this? How, like <laughs> <laughs> hydrogen cell. Yeah, it's got to be because like the battery is like minuscule if it was an electric battery, and if it was a fuel tank, also minuscule. Two thousand nine. What would they have been running lithium ion in cars by that point? Or just on nickel cadmium. You know more than me. Yeah. Mr. Chop Shop. I'll have to look that up. <laughs> that was another segment of Charged Up with Bobby. Charged Up! One thing I was really glad, and I'm sure they cut this out for time, and thank God, was the uh, cute lab assistant girl has the hots for Zach Galifianakis. I'm I'm glad they cut that subplot. She has one line setting up that they're going to have a little yeah. flirtatious relationship that goes nowhere. Yes. I'm really glad they cut that out. Just like the rest of this film, this plot point goes nowhere. Yeah. Well, did you take did you note the running time of this film? No, I didn't actually. Hour 32? That's with very long credits. It's like 83 yeah. minutes. <laughs> All right. Like, I think they cut everything out of this movie. This is a $150 million movie that doesn't run 90 minutes. Jesus Christ. Like, everything is out of this film. So they're uh, they're getting uh, an inspection by Will Arnett, right? Because he's going to threaten to shut him down or some bullshit. Penelope Cruz has a blog. She's a successful yes. blogger. Yes, she is. That writes dating tips for human yep. women. And her blog has her a photo of her, which is Herself. a guinea pig yes. at the top. <laughs> yep. This is like several levels above like dog with a blog. <laughs> <laughs> this is guinea pig with a blog. Well, this like, is ninja spy genetically engineered guinea pig with a blog. The inspiration for the sitcom. He had to have had the... Bigulator, Bobby, because like he made like Zach Galifianakis made a tiny like laptop. It's like a Dell or some bullshit. Like it's like not just like some tiny keyboard that he made on a screen. Well, she's using a keyboard. You can hear her typing on the keyboard. Yes, it's like an actual tiny laptop. I would also like to point out that Tracy Morgan as Blaster is yes! dancing on a version of Dance Dance Revolution that is guinea pig sized. Yeah. As Lady Gaga's Just Dance plays. It's excruciating. This whole segment is excruciating. Will Arnett is shocked to hear hamsters can talk and are spies. Nobody questions the relationship advice column written by a guinea pig. <laughs> 
be like, oh yeah, like I I just thought it was her profile picture. I guess it's really written by her. Like they're not good at being spies. Yeah, no, I, I'm pretty sure they thought that it was like a it was like a fun avatar. And isn't just an actual <laughs> photo of this author. Yeah. I do have to question, like, how was Zach Galifianakis getting his budget? Like, what was, what did Will Arnett think he was shutting down? Like, he storms in and he's like, we're shutting you down. And it's like, what did he think was happening there? Because he comes in <laughs> all hot to trot and he's like, holy fuck, you have made guinea pigs talk? Like, what What was in his budget proposal? Like, what did Zach Galifianakis <laughs> tell people he was doing? He must have showed them something. He must have showed them, like, a tiny PDA and just be like, look, I can make tech really, really small. And he just... <laughs> we thought you were just making small PDAs. Yeah. <laughs> Those That's would be really was. helpful. Yeah. You can store them in a hollow tooth. Right? <laughs> it was actually for a guinea pig. Like, like... All of the tech and all of the advancements in science that Zach Galifianakis develops, they should just fund that thing to no end. They should pour so much money into this because, like, it's insane what he has done in what is apparently just, like, this slum warehouse, right? <laughs> He's not, like, working out of, like, bureau headquarters. <laughs> He's in, like, a back alley, and he managed to make talking guinea pigs. So we are, like... Two minutes into the movie and five needle drops into the movie. Will Arnett <laughs> wants to shut them down. They need to escape. Oh, but they're going to prove themselves because they're like, take a look at the what we stole. We stole the plans for Clusterfuck. And Will Arnett is like, this better be good because you did this off the books and you didn't have a warrant. Nicolas Cage as Speckles pulls up the plans for Clusterfuck and it's just the plans for a coffee maker. And Sam Rockwell's like, no, that's not it. It had this big diagram that talked about world extermination. And Speckles is like, I'm sorry. That's all that's on here. And they're like, oh, damn it. And then Will Arnett's like, boom, shut down. And then before the FBI can get their act together to shut everything down, the guinea pigs escape. Can, can we stop for one moment and talk about Nicolas Cage's voice he chose for this character of Speckles the Mole? Okay. Um, it is confounding. I, I'll go first. Uh, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's one of the few things in the movie I do enjoy. There's nothing about the content that's good enough for me to be like, oh, I love this performance. But like, props to Nicolas Cage. If you find you're in a movie like this, that is the time to do the goofiest fucking voice you can think of. Uh, okay, Sean, I gotta stop you. Because on IMDb Trivia, I looked up this and uh, I had to check it to see if it was real. Apparently, he's doing the same voice as his character for Peggy Sue Got Married. This is a good Nicolas Cage role. If you want to oh put like the snot of like Nicolas Cage oh versus bad god. Nicolas Cage. Mandy G-Force. Oh my god. I think it's a good role. Oh for my him. god. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> the movie's terrible but I like him You're in this movie. You're advocating for Nicolas Cage as Speckles the Mole. I think it's one of his better performances. It's like this or Ghost Rider Man at the time. Like what do you got? <laughs> Mandy adaptation G-Force. It should all be in the same breath. Okay. So they escape the warehouse. They end up in a fucking pet star. And we get introduced. Are you going to disagree with me? Because you sound like you disagree. You can put it on the record. Do you not like Nick Cage in this movie? His dumb fucking voice took me out every single time. The movie about ninja hamsters that work for the FBI. Yeah, every time you were, you almost got dragged in and then you're like, oh, I, I was so close to enjoying just it. Saying, There's one guy that's treating this cartoon character like a cartoon. Fuck him. This is Peggy Sue got married all over again. I, uh, I just saw Nicolas Cage in the booth doing the voice, like rehearsing and being to like, Hoyt, uh, I was uh, thinking we could do uh, the, the scene like this, you know? And then he just goes and goes, I'm Nicolas Cage and I'm a mole. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like, 
I know. so dumb. Do you think he said that before every every take? <laughs> That's what he did to get into <laughs> character. Just to get into character? Yes. Also, I like that Rob is like, I can't do impressions, and then just fucking bangs him out sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> For someone who hates the, the performance, this is going in your list of three impressions you can do. So you got to bring this out at parties from now on. <laughs> the Nicolas Cage mole G-Force <laughs> voice. This is your party trick? You're like, okay, I got I got an impression I can do. Have you seen the movie G-Force? You know the movie that doesn't exist that's actually from another dimension? G-Force? <laughs> I can do a dead ringer voice for Nicolas Cage as a mole in it. And Gonzo the Great. That is it. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> Only when Gonzo says that one line. The one line. Yeah. Expect the first ghost as the clock strikes one. Perfect. You can you can do it on command. That's amazing. wasn't even wasn't even luck the first time. The guinea pigs escape, and for some reason they escape in what appears to be a food truck, but the food truck is also transporting live pets. Not sure that that's allowed. Seems contrary to health standards. And I just noticed because the delivery driver who's operating a pallet jack is not wearing steel-toed shoes or steel-toed boots. He's just wearing some Chuck Taylors. Sort of counts as uh, Torch Talk. But we already had Torch Talk, Bob. Come on. Once an episode. Don't try to hog the episode with more Torch Talk. This, this, this is the only thing I noticed in this film. The only thing I made note of. The only torching, thing. Torching guinea pigs, no steel-toed shoes. Right. And fuck you, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> Those were your six notes. You just wrote fucking okay. Rob four get, more times. They get transported to a pet shop. Okay, they get put into a cage with two other pets. One of them is John Favreau playing a guinea pig named Hurley, who is constantly farting. That is the movie that you're watching. It's, That's it's his character. It's farting to the point that it fogs up windows. He is farting fire. Like that is like. Yeah, I just and I, then Steve Buscemi as a. Uh, hamster? Steve Buscemi. He's a hamster, uh, who turns out his dad was a ferret. They do, like, a five-minute riff on Steve Buscemi being half ferret. Yeah. He won't shut up about it. This is an 83-minute movie, and, (laughs) like, five of those minutes are about Steve, whether or not Steve Buscemi's a ferret. They had to pad this film with five minutes. This but the Steve like, Buscemi like he's ferret, the line ferret and he's line. looking at the booth and, and like Hoyt's just outside the booth going keep going keep going keep going <laughs> this ferret stuff is gold yeah I thought we were in trouble with the 42 page script but this is gonna this is gonna save us Steve and th- this is also the point in the movie where I just wrote I was like who greenlit this and then saw this happening and let it keep happening there's a lot that happens in this cage and none of it matters none of he it he befriends Hurley it's part of a dumb character arc where he thinks he's better than Hurley because he's he's genetically engineered and Hurley farts all the time. But then he learns that he's not better than the farting gopher. Uh, they all escape in very stupid different ways. Yeah, Nicolas Cage gets thrown in, in the trash and then you're like, oh no, Nicolas Cage died, but I don't care about anything that happens in this fucking movie. Weirdly enough, Loudon Wainwright third enters in a cameo because this was, I guess, during the brief period in which he was resurrecting an acting career because he was on the Judd Apatow, uh, Jay Baruchel, Seth Rogen short-lived sitcom Undeclared. And then he was he was like, yeah, sure, I'll take a Jerry Bruck film and he walks in and he says one line where he's like that's an ugly fucking gopher and then he's out of the movie and I was decidedly disappointed that line would have been so much better if Loud Wainwright the third rocked up and just said that's an ugly fucking gopher and that was the only thing he would say in this Disney PG thing and they're like I guess we got one yeah you're allowed one <laughs> 
one, and they give it to Loudon Wainwright the third. Um, the stuff with his grandsons like kind of fucked up and twisted because he's trying to feed them. He's trying to kill them and make sure they get eaten alive in front of him. And no one in the pet store seems to care when he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take this guinea pig. I'm going to kill it. Loudon Wainwright's grandson is a psychopath. He's Sid from... Uh, from Toy Story. From Toy yeah. Story. I actually have that written down. Yeah. I was I, I said uh, Tracy Morgan was adopted by Sid. Yeah. Yeah. And then Penelope Cruz is adopted by the granddaughter, who's going to put a bunch of makeup on her and then dresses her up in a dress. And then Penelope Cruz looks in the mirror and says, oh, no, I'm Paris Hilton's chihuahua. And again, I'm just like, you're just naming things. You're just making references to things. Yeah. These aren't jokes. No, they're not. Tracy Morgan and Penelope Cruz have to escape from this psychotic children's home meanwhile sam rockwell and john favreau just kind of like oh there's a door so uh they take the door out of the cage and then they just leave and then i have a question here sam rockwell leaves the pet store and then he's trying to navigate his way back to like zach galifianakis's lab or whatever and he takes out this fucking guinea pig sized like sextant where the fuck did he get this guinea pig sized sextant what? The thing that you use to navigate by the stars when you're on a boat. Where did the sextant come from? Cartoon logic. He pulled it from behind him. I, I, it's funny. You know what? I'm looking. I actually also had Sid from Toy Story written down. That's all of us. <laughs> okay. I also like, looked into it because I was trying to figure out because they make some comment of like, we've been training for years for this. And I was like, how long do guinea pigs live? I looked at this too. It's what, four to eight years? Uh, yeah, about five, I think, is the average lifespan. So right around the time they've received all of their training, they just die. <laughs> they die. Yeah, Sam Rockwell is on his last legs in this movie. Like, this is this is his first and last <laughs> They trained a housefly. Which lived for, like, days? 24 hours or something. <laughs> like... <laughs> Keep in mind, this is from Earth 432. Right, so. right, right. Lifespan of flies, much longer. They come to a bakery, and Hurley's like, ooh, cake, because that's just what the character's there for. And then Sam Rockwell's like, hey, isn't that one of Bill Nighy's coffee makers? And he goes and he looks in the coffee maker, and he's like, oh, it's an evil chip. Somebody this said this machine's set for evil. Fuck, <laughs> I was just going to say that. <laughs> when they try to turn off the evil chip, the machine comes alive and is a Transformer. Yes, it's a Transformer. And so we're introduced to the third act of this movie, which is they fight Transformers, because all of these um, sabling appliances are actually Transformers <laughs> that become evil Optimus Primes and will fight guinea pigs to the death. So they have to fight this Transformer, and they defeat it. It gets run over by a car or something. And then they take the pieces to Zach Galifianakis. Uh, Darwin says, yippee ki coffee maker. Oh, yes. That's one of the references that I wrote down. Yeah. Die Hard. We have a Die Hard reference in this yeah. um, 2009 kids film. <laughs> yes. Not exactly topical or contemporary, but it's a reference. And doesn't make a lick of sense. There's another one in this entire sequence when they're walking down the street and they come across a yard full of dogs. Sam Rockwell goes, dogs. Why'd it have to be dogs? Which is a Raiders of the Lost Ark reference. Yeah. Why does the coffee maker do this? It takes a long time to mass produce things and this G-Force hasn't... I mean, I guess they've been around for long, but how did nobody notice that the mole had been talking to Bill Nighy for several years, apparently, and being like, no, 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 put saws and blowtorches and spider legs and all of your appliances. It's going to be a really good idea. I don't know, Bobby. This movie is dumb. I mean... It's a dumb movie. I'm jumping ahead, but... 
How, how do old satellites make space junk fall? It's magnets, all right? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes, it's, it's magnets. magnets. Yeah, how do they work? I, there's too many fart jokes in this movie. And, like, the there's other so hamsters, many like, fart jokes. tell the kid to, like, poop in his hand. Well, we've probably skipped over, like, four or five black-eyed peas needle <laughs> drops. Um... <laughs> You're right. We probably have. Like, I'm not even joking when I say that. We probably have skipped over like four or five black eyed peas needle dropped. Um, w- they get back to the apartment. Hurley all of a sudden has the earpiece in his ear, so he can talk to humans. Do- does he? Do they show that? Are you? Are did? Are you going to go to the scene? He just has they it. Put it in his ear. They skip over the scene where a guinea pig learns to talk to humans. Right. They skip okay. over that scene. Yeah. That was like the one thing I wanted to see. 83 minutes, Rob. Nothing is oh, in this film. God. Okay, so yeah, they go back. They determine that this clusterfuck plan is obviously to turn all the coffee makers in the world into Transformers. There's a ticking clock in this film. 48 hours. Yeah, that's for right. For no fucking reason. And as my wife pointed out as she was watching with me as we were eating our bag of Doritos and crying at the existence that is watching this movie. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> When they're at the apartment, they're like, we only have 30 minutes left. It cuts ahead several hours at night. And she was like, so they failed, right? They said there was, <laughs> there was, there was 30 minutes. This is quite some time. It's night now. It's the laziest script writing I have ever seen because it seems like a note where they write the script and somebody's like, you need a ticking clock because there's not enough tension. And so they just wrote in... The evil chip has a ticking clock on it. For 48 hours. That's the incorporation of the note. Yes. There is a literal ticking clock that we have discovered that is ticking for no reason. No reason. Because there's no reason why that would be there or why time even really matters for this plan. It's it's not to tie in with an event. It's not because the technology isn't ready until 48 hours. Because he does it manually. It's not even... He does it manually. Yes. It's not automatic. It's not like this all happens. And then he, he turns it on. Has a clock, and when it hits zero, he presses a I button. Know. He, like, it's so bad. It's so like It's not even dope. like there's a product launch. Like, that's what they could have done. No. <laughs> it's, it's nothing. And then he's sitting there watching the clock tick down. In and he's like, what house. is he waiting he for? He did an announcement with a party, and he's just like, I'm going to release this. There's not a single other person there except for his assistant. And he's waiting for the clock to, like, turn over. Yes! And he's just sitting there in his fucking living room. So now they have to go stop Saberling, and they only have 30 minutes left, even though two hours have passed or whatever. And he also tells all of them, oh, by the way, like, none of you are superly genetically enhanced, like... Like, you were from an animal testing lab, they were going to eat you, and I bought you at a pet store. There's nothing special about any of you. Now go out and save the world. Again, it's because they need a dark night of the soul moment yeah. in the script where everyone has to lose their mojo, and then they have to rediscover their mojo. Except all of that happens for no fucking reason. Because they just have a scene where Zach Galifianakis runs in, and he's like, you all fucking suck! And they're like, oh... One scene later, they're like, maybe we don't suck. Yeah! And then they go and they do the final mission. I honestly think it's like 45 seconds of runtime. Like, honestly, they're just like, (laughs) oh no, I'm down. 
oh no, I'm back up. Well, they needed to be in and out in 83 minutes, so they did not have time for any kind of character growth. They make a Pimp My Ride reference? So I was literally just about to say that. They just, just in case, just in case, audience, you forgot this movie came out in 2009. Because Zach Galifianakis gives them Power Rangers Zords, which are little hamster balls that are rocket-powered or something, and that they can drive around in and fight the FBI agents with. That's basically the whole pitch for this movie. Yeah. It's like, you watch the whole thing and you're like why are they fucking guinea pigs and then you get to this scene it's like oh he wanted to do a scene yeah where they do a car chase but they're in hamster balls right. but they're like high-tech fancy ninja hamster balls right. well he wanted a scene where guinea pigs openly murder members of the fbi yeah they have to kill oh, at least yeah. one or two of those agents in this car chase oh yeah he says this baby can go 65 miles an hour at full throttle you know what can also go 65 miles an hour zach galvanakis your fucking car just drive them there <laughs> <laughs> a car with humans in it no less their plan is is that the the pda that um darwin got from the house actually has a virus on it and so they're going to upload the PDA directly into the Saberling. They're going to put it back where they found it. This is their plan. Because he downloaded the virus from Saber's computer. Because that's why they think they can't get this clusterfuck file. Because when they got the file, it also downloaded a virus onto the PDA. And so their plan to save the world is to go back to the same fucking computer and put the virus into it. Right. Yeah. The whole premise of their Saberling chips is, is that all of them will be connected. So upload it to any coffee maker and it <laughs> would have been ended right then and there. <sighs> but he does, uh, Tracy Morgan has one line that I wrote down. Uh, I don't know if it's good, but I wrote it down. He said, bring down Big Mama with baby disease. That's not good. That is not good at all. I, Why did you write that down? I that was, is not a good line. No, I was more uh, like shocked that that was... In this film. The least good part of this movie, I think, that we've completely glossed over is that it sets up a love triangle with the guinea pigs. Yes. And it, and it doesn't go anywhere. No. It doesn't no. matter. It's just more padding. Yeah. One thing. There was one moment I liked. It was like four shots. And it was when they went through the fireworks factory. The music cue. Yeah. The music cue. I, I don't know what that, that song is. It's O Fortuna. O Fortuna. It's O Fortuna. Yeah. The music cue, O Fortuna, and they're driving through, and the, the hamster ball through the fireworks. I was like, this actually was entertaining. That bit was good. I completely agree. Which brings me to a general note I'll have. This movie looks good. <laughs> when you read that it was directed by a visual effects super supervisor, like, oh yeah, okay. I think it's, it's shot well. I think it's visually appealing to look at. It has a huge Michael Bay vibe, which isn't my favorite kind of vibe, but I won't disagree that it's a nice looking vibe. Yeah. Props to the director from a visual standpoint. And although the action sequence is pretty dull, the climax of it where they drive into a fair and set off a fireworks display early that launches them into the air through the fireworks while everyone watches them soar majestically through this explosion. It's a pretty sweet shot. Yeah. That, yeah, that one bit was good. And then they had to, Ruin it with some, like, Tracy Morgan button line or whatever he says. 
don't try this at home or some don't bullshit. Don't try yeah. this at home, fuck. kids. Oh, fuck off. Like, they just, they just ruined it with that little button that he put on there. Okay, so then they get to Sabling's house, and um, <laughs> this movie makes no fucking sense. They break into his basement. Keep in mind, they've broken into this house before. It's just the opening of the movie again. But they go into his basement, and then they're like, stop, there's a tripwire. And then the tripwire is next to, like... C4 explosive? Why the fuck is that in this guy's basement? <laughs> like, I, I think, wh- why does he have tripwire in his basement? I think that's the Molinator. I think that's Nicolas Cage put it there. You think the mole did that? Yeah. Or the mole told him to do it. It doesn't make sense for him to do it because it's not even like it's, it's like a motion sensing device or something to alert him that somebody's breaking in. It's dynamite that will explode his house. Yes. While he's, like, sitting and having dinner. The only explanation I had was that the mold did it. Okay, I didn't really know what the fuck that was there for, but whatever. That could be said for literally any plot element of this film. Correct. They fight some more Transformers. Hurley farts and eats cake. No, he wants cake. He he wants cake. He takes cake. He gets put in a microwave, and you think he's going to explode for a little while, which is really fucking morbid. Anyway, when Jon Favreau eventually does escape with the cake, he doesn't eat it. He no, just carries he it around it for most of the rest of the for movie. Like 20 minutes. 80 minute runtime. He holds the cake for like 20 minutes. And keep in mind, this is his only character motivation, is that he wants cake. Listeners, I want to make clear that at one point last night, Robbie texted me and all the text said was, eat the damn cake, Hurley. <laughs> And I knew exactly where he was in the film. After they fight some Transformers and then Bill Nighy's basement explodes. Curly found the cake in the microwave. Who puts cake in a microwave? Uh, uh, Former arms dealers. Okay, around this time, yes, Bill Nighy around this time has triggered Clusterfuck. Um, Right. Okay, so this is where we got to talk about the the hack and the edit. So he initiates Clusterfuck and all of the coffee makers around the world turn into Transformers. And there's a bunch of news footage. Even if they're not plugged in. Even if they're not plugged in. There's a bunch of news footage of them saying, like, all coffee makers around the world are turning into Transformers. And then there's a shot from behind Bill Nighy where yes, yes, this is an the Australian one. man, yeah. apparently taking the place of Bill Nighy, <laughs> says... Oi, that's not supposed to be happening. <laughs> but did he not come back? I think it actually is Bill Nighy, but you're right. It sounds nothing like them. And like, they didn't even try to match the audio to the rest of the audio. Like, it's so obviously ADR. It sounds like an Australian man. It doesn't sound like Bill Nighy. Maybe he said it over the phone. From Australia. <laughs> <laughs> and it just... just <laughs> he, was, he was on vacation yeah. in Australia. And he's one of those that's people right. who sort of yeah, adopts yeah, yeah. the accent yeah. when he's there for a and couple like, of weeks. And like, Bill, can you try that again? Just talk like normal. I am talking like normal. Hang up. <laughs> Click. No, like yeah. he had already hung up. He did, he did not even listen past that. They're like, I guess that's what we have to go with. Throughout the rest of the film, they have shots of Bill Nahi, but when he's talking, they almost always cut to behind his shoulder and there's obvious ADR of him going, none of this is part of the plan. I'm just an innocent coffee maker. All I wanted to do was make coffee. (laughs) And mate, (laughs) it makes no fucking sense. Clearly in post-production, they changed the plot. I think originally the mole wasn't the villain. Like, I think in the original shoots... Bill Nighy was the villain. There was a totally different third act. And I think they changed their mind. And they said, what if the mole came back as the villain? Yeah, because he's out of the film for a very long time. I think that's the only explanation, because... Wait, 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 wait. Do you think it was supposed to just be a cameo? And that, like, the Molinator died? Really? Uh, but they're like, we got Nicolas Cage. He's doing something crazy. We gotta, we gotta <laughs> listen to this voice. You're gonna love it. 
love it. <laughs> you're you're going to love it. We got to put a bit more of the film. It's like that scene in The Matrix when like Neo is fighting Morpheus and they're running through the ship and they're like, wake up, everybody, wake up. Yeah, yeah. Neo is fighting Morpheus yeah. and they're all running in to watch it, except they're just running through the halls and they're like, Nicolas Cage is doing a crazy voice. Yeah. They're all like p- piling into the sound recording room and they're watching it. They're just like, put it in more of the movie. Yeah, exactly. So they had to rewrite the Jerry, Jerry, are you, Jerry, are you seeing this? <laughs> <laughs> It's your cousin, Barry Bruckheimer. <laughs> Listen to this. I'm a mug. <laughs> and Jerry's just like, screw it, we're reshooting the third act. Get Bill back, change his dialogue, we're not doing reshoots. Get him on the phone, I think he's in Australia. <laughs> so for whatever reason, they've totally re-recorded all of Bill Nighy's dialogue at the end of this film so that he's not the villain. It's a twist. Yeah. He had no idea any of this no, was happening. Nobody's a villain in this film. Everyone's a good guy in this Except film. Except for the mole that almost fucking kills everybody. No, 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 and is like, fine. I'm going to no. kill everybody. <laughs> no, his plan is literally to somehow magnet space junk down to Earth and kill the human race and make them move underground like moles. After they fight a bunch of Transformers, they find Nicolas Cage Speckles, who's the mastermind, and he's in his evil mastermind chair. And, and Robbie, if you could do the voice, please say, I'm a mole. Sorry, I wasn't, I, I got it, I got it. I'm Nicolas Cage and I'm a mole. Thank you. I have to do the whole line. <laughs> all right. And he explains that he was the villain all along. He was working with Bill Nighy, but Bill Nighy didn't know that he was working with him. And it doesn't make any sense and it doesn't matter because he just says, I'm the one who turned all of the coffee makers into Transformers. And he's like, here's the reason why, because nobody likes moles and they try to exterminate moles. And my whole family was exterminated. And then it flashes back to him in a cage as his family is being rounded up and exterminated from a field. And then in the flashback, his father turns to him yeah. and says, son, if you ever get the chance to bring humanity to its knees, take it. And it's the funniest fucking line I've ever heard. Like, you get through 95% of this film with not a single laugh. And then you have a fucking mole turn to his son and say, son. As they're about to be at a firing squad. <laughs> if you ever get the chance, as if it's not a common scenario, but it might happen. It might happen. To bring humanity to its knees. My advice to you is to take it. And so that's why he's an evil villain. I fucking This is love the it. line and like the country bears, but if the country bears wasn't A funny, B self-aware of the satire that it is. Like this line of dialogue would fit in a country bear style movie where it's like Oh, oh they're robots, yeah. but they're taking over the world and his whole family was killed and my father told me to get revenge. When it's a mole in a cage, it's funny. Yeah. And <laughs> so like that's why I was like, does this movie know what it is? Like No, it doesn't. No, but Maybe for like, maybe one person did for one scene. <laughs> I think it, it was Nicolas Cage. I lied slightly. There are two things that made me laugh. And it's it's almost the exact same scene. There's a flashback. Mole father says, get your revenge on the human race. And then when he triggers his evil giant 
Power Rangers Zord yeah, Terminator. Yeah, Megazord. I wrote actually earlier when they were like showing the clips in the mall and then all the appliances looked like they were forming a Megazord. I was like, are they going to join to make a Megazord? And they didn't. And then the Molinator makes this giant Megazord. And I was like, fuck yeah. He makes a Megazord. Yeah. But as he's describing his Megazord, Nicolas Cage is reading out this dialogue to Sam Rockwell and he's like, and I filled everything with nudes and I made a whole bunch of nudes. <laughs> And he says nodes like four times. And each time he says it higher pitched and takes longer to get through the word. And then at the very end, when he like, and like an elevator lifts him up, he yells out, going up. But he says it in such a goofy way that I honestly thought as he was being lifted away, he was going to go, no, <laughs> like one last time. But it doesn't because the movie's not that clever. Uh, so his plan is to... Use magnets to bring down space junk? To turn it into a Megazord. Right. And it doesn't matter. There's like 30 seconds of a Transformers battle. His thing was, his thing was trying to bring the, like, crash shit into Earth. So, uh... It, they would force everyone underground. But like it's like, that's not how that works. I mean, I know I'm saying this, but like all of that would have burned up on reentry. None of it would have exploded into- No, but you're forgetting that he's using magnets. Oh, right. Yeah. Sorry. My bad. My, my apologies. Magnets and nodes. Like two key elements of this plot. Nodes! <laughs> anyway, there isn't much of a battle because all that happens is that Sam Rockwell goes, what happened to you, Mole? You used to be cool. And he's like, oh- <laughs> I did used to be cool. And then he does like a family speech as if it's like Dom Toretto from Fast and the Furious. And he's like, oh, right, family. And then uh, he's like, oh, never mind. I don't want to destroy humanity anymore. (laughs) Despite my dying father's dying (laughs) wish. Wish. (laughs) to, To bring humanity to its knees. Uh, I've decided not to destroy humanity in like 12 seconds because we're on a ticking clock here and that ticking clock is the 83 minute runtime. <laughs> um, and so they put the virus in and they stop everything and then that's it. The movie's over. There's like a denouement, but that's it. The fly, the 28 day lifespan fly. Thank fuck they trained that fly. <laughs> yeah. Okay. They put the virus in and then it's over. And then, um, they watch a video where everyone they met in the film just like recounts what's happened to them. Oh next. my God. It's the weirdest fucking thing. It's like, it's like, you know, the end where they're <laughs> just doing like and billy he went off to summer camp and he you know it's, like it's, it's the, the end of american graffiti with the freeze frame text yes. except it's these gophers learning about what happened to like the fucking will arnett like literally they break like they wheel in a tv and the fbi director goes well i bet you want to know what happened to all their favorite characters and then they just go <laughs> through the list of all the characters my favorite part about this scene is that it completely undermines the fact that this entire program was created by Zach Galifianakis. This evil plan was yes. made up by one of the rodents he taught to speak English, hack, use a computer, and do all of these things. This is actually yeah. Zach Galifianakis's fault, and the movie should end with, and then all the rodents were given back to the pet store. Will Arnett was promoted for trying to shut him down and not having it work out, and Zach Galifianakis now lives in the South Pole. Why does the FBI have an office in the South Pole? Zach Galifianakis would be put on trial. All of the advancements and technology that Zach Galifianakis developed including the ability to talk and communicate with all types of life forms would have been seized by the government and given credit to whoever stole it from him because he would be as sean said would be going to prison for almost killing all of humanity because of this this is his fault yes and then we're treated to half an hour of credits following in the footsteps of films like the even stevens movie and furry vengeance this ends with a dance party 
set to everyone's favorite Black Eyed Peas. Is it Black Eyed Peas or is this not Black Eyed Peas? It might not be. It's like budget Black Eyed Peas. They ran out their budget. They're like, we only had enough for 12 Black Eyed Peas <laughs> needle drops. I just wrote my last my last note was what's up with all the black eyed peas. So I assumed it was uh, them. It does sound like black eyed peas. Maybe it is. I I, I so, could be wrong. Uh, okay, I'm just gonna get right to my ranking. <laughs> Please do. Then we can get out of this. Was this movie stupid? Yes. Did I need to watch this movie? <laughs> no. Did it insult my intelligence? No, because it's a fucking kids movie. It was written by a five year old. This movie feels like a movie that was written by a five year old. If someone told me, "Oh, my four year old loves that movie," I'd be like, "Yeah, right, fair enough." It's got farting hamsters that ride around in a wheel. I put this one above Cocktail at number thirty two because this movie didn't infuriate me like Cocktail did. I fucking hated Cocktail. This movie was not good, but the twenty two percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes was good. I was like, "Well, this was at least twice as good as the movie Cocktail." <laughs> Because that movie left me fucking angry. G-Force, as we just discussed, right. I might not have watched it. It might not exist. So this ranking may mean nothing. <laughs> yeah. The ranking we did for this movie that might not actually exist. And if it does, it's from another dimension. Explaining to someone that had no context where they said, Zach Galifianakis, John Favreau, Tracy Morgan, Steve Buscemi, and Will Arnett are in a movie with Penelope Cruz. Sam Rockwell. And Sam Rockwell is the lead. Sam Rockwell. Where they fight Bill Nighy, but they're all rodents and the plot is terminator toasters you'd be like yeah they'd be like you, you no, you're fucking making that movie up <laughs> everything you just said bobby is uh the reason why i ranked it uh where i did um because oh fuck is it like number one no, or something not what are you in the doing, slightest bobby? this movie's terrible but it is at <laughs> the very top of the movies i don't like so what is that where, where is that 24 it's right under high school the m- musical the callback uh it's above enemy mine <laughs> That is much higher than I put it. Oh, I know. Uh, oh, yeah. It's it's like, the rest of that is like, I never want to see again. I never want to see G-Force again. But, like, I laughed at the audacity of this film. Nicolas Cage's weird voice. Sam Rockwell as a fucking guinea pig. Like, Bill Nighy, appliance manufacturer. And the 83-minute runtime was the perfect length to me going, what the fuck am I watching? To be at the point where it was like, what the fuck did I just watch? Like, it was it was so quick that it did not overstay its welcome. We've been watching too many bad movies. Yes, we have. It's getting harder for me to separate them in any kind of defensible way. Objective way? Well, it's not objective. It's almost the definition of subjective. But uh, <laughs> I don't even know how to explain it. I'm just almost just doing things randomly now at this point to some extent yeah. like i'm looking through this and i'm like is this better than high school musical yeah i enjoyed it more than high school musical is it better than shaggy dog yeah i guess i think i'm gonna put this just above the three musketeers but i feel like i'm only doing that because fuck the three musketeers That's fair. <laughs> you know like i'm not sh- i'm not sure this is better that. than the three musketeers but the three musketeers thinks it's cool as much as this movie does not succeed at whatever it's trying to do it also doesn't think it's cool (laughs) i guess i have to give it a little bit of credit for that it's made for kids it's made for kids it's not trying to be a four quadrant blockbuster although it kind of is it's budgeted at 150 million dollars that's the thing it's made for kids but this movie and it's jerry brockheimer the only way it financially makes sense is if they thought they were bringing in transformers crowd which is insane 
because it's about a farting hamster. Yeah. Cut out that last part and just say, what's this movie about? Oh, well, Disney spent $150 million about a movie about a farting hamster. <laughs> and then made $130 million. That's the punchline. Yeah, that's where you're like, it almost works. <laughs> and, 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 and it turns out they were onto something. It made like 300 worldwide. I, I guess that's it. I don't, I don't have I was any. looking back. Like, what was the last good film that I liked? I think it was a Goofy movie. It was probably the last one. If you're talking about good films, yeah. It would be a goofy movie. I was thinking about this the other day, and I was thinking about, like, yeah, like how many of these are actually good? And I would say, for me, everything above Blackbeard's Ghost on my list is, I would say, qualifies as good. Um, we're probably going to put out a version of our list on social media, on our Facebook page, and on Instagram. So if anyone's listening to this, uh, you can maybe go check it out and see exactly what our lists look at, look like, and you can know what we're talking about. And I'd say anything below Avatar on my list, which sits at number 21, is fucking terrible. <laughs> so that's like Million Dollar Duck, Cocktail, D2, The Mighty Ducks, and then it just gets worse from there. <laughs> I would call all of those terrible. Yeah. Million Dollar Duck being the best of the terrible movies, in my opinion. No, it's not, Sean. No, it's not. That's my Million opinion. Dollar, Let me have my opinion. Million Dollar Duck uh, is fucking terrible. I didn't say what... I said it was terrible. They said it was the, they said it was the best of the terrible. Well, G-Force is the best of the terrible for me. But there's a lot of terribles. Fuck, there's a lot of terribles. The one that will probably get me killed in polite society is Bedknobs and Broomsticks is, like, almost at the bottom of my list. You have D2 <laughs> at the top, though. Your list and, is... And, and you have the Three Musketeers, like... Like, above a Goofy movie. Maybe we aren't going to put these out there. Maybe no one's going to take us seriously if they can actually read these lists. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Robbie. Well, you're going to have to redeem yourself, okay? So, I want you to say for us, it's called The Podcast War Tennis Shoes. Oh, right. And I want you to say it right. in your Nicolas Cage mole voice. <laughs> like Bobby, I got to do the whole thing. What was it? I'm Michael Caine, but I'm also Scrooge. <laughs> I'm Nicolas Cage, but I'm also a mole, and it's called the Podcast War yeah. Tennis Shoes. I'm Nicolas Cage, and I'm a mole. It's called the Podcast War Tennis Shoes. Now say nodes. Nodes. Ah, uh, it's more surfer. Nodes. nodes. Oh, sorry. sorry. Say, say the whole thing. I'm Nicolas Cage, and I'm a mole. Nodes. Nudes. Okay, but like, say it like you mean it. You're just, you're just saying it. You're not feeling it. Say it as if you, right, your father's dying wish was to bring humanity to its knees. I didn't actually watch that part. I was watching. I wasn't looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so what do we got coming up next week? Well, it's one of two things. It's either a very special episode on everyone's favorite best every actor time. nominee, Brendan Fraser's George of the Jungle, or Maybe it's High School Musical. We'll see. Listen, I'm I'm hyping it up. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna build the hype <laughs> for like two months. Like we recorded this like first week in January. <laughs> we, we recorded High School Musical before Christmas, so maybe it's gonna finally come out next week. But if not, it's a very special episode on George of the Jungle. Tune in to the podcast. War I'm, I'm kind of excited for George of the Jungle. I'm not gonna lie. I've never seen it, so... You've never seen it? The only thing I know about George of the Jungle is from the album Dare to be Stupid by Weird Al Yankovic, where he covered the theme song. Um, anything to add before we stop? It's more spoons than soup. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's your new catchphrase now. And as for me, it's my new catchphrase, NUDES! And that's the show. 
If you have a suggestion for a movie we should cover next time, send us an email at thepodcastwartennisshoes at gmail.com. We can also be reached on Facebook and Twitter at podwar. That's at P-O-D-W-O-R-E. And if you like the show, give us a good review on your podcast platform. It really helps us out. We hope you tune in next time. Thanks. Cut it out. Fuck you, Rob. Fuck you for making me watch this show. Just the first thing he says. <laughs> that is literally my first note. <laughs> Fuck, you, like, Rob. Fuck you, Rob. <laughs> it really is his first note. <laughs> literally written on his notepad. All right. <clears throat>